to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Luke. Uh, the book of Luke. And uh, we are going to be beginning a new series for this Christmas season. We'll pick back up on our counterculture series in the weeks ahead. But uh, we're going to take a pause on that uh, as we're in this Christmas season. We're going to look at the Christmas story. And I'm going to begin a series today. Uh, to next week, of course, we'll continue it in person. But if you're with us today, you are really getting the best, the beginning. Uh, in this series, I'm calling it the characters of Christmas, the characters of Christmas. And uh, here's kind of the idea that each week we're going to be looking at a different character of the Christmas story. And we're going to be asking them the question, if, if you could tell us the Christmas story, what would you have to say? And so uh, think of this as kind of an opportunity to interview the characters of Christmas to find out what would they tell us about the Christmas story from their perspective. And so today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And we're going to look at the very first character of the Christmas story according to the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible, look along. I'm going to be reading 20 verses, okay? So buckle your seatbelt for just a, a couple of minutes. Luke chapter 1, verse 5, it says this, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. That's pretty good. <laughs> but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of children, uh, the ch hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, I like that. He, he called himself old. He didn't call his wife old. She's advanced, okay? And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, 
he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he, he had seen a vision in the temple and remained speechless. So it was... So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach from among the people. I want to speak to you today on the first character of Christmas. Hopefully you're still with me. I was reading a lot of verses there. It's the Christmas story, so I hope you're staying tuned. But I want to talk to you about the first character of the Christmas story, according to the Gospel of Luke, and that's the character of Zacharias. The character of Zacharias. Maybe you're not familiar with Zacharias. Maybe you read right over Zacharias and you get to Mary. We'll get to her next week. Uh, But I want to talk to you about Zacharias. And Zacharias was, practically speaking, he was the uncle of Jesus by marriage. He was married to uh, Elizabeth, and he was the father of John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin. And here, when you read about Zacharias, you, you, you would probably look at this and you say, Zacharias was a pretty good guy. The Bible says that he was walking in the commandments of the Lord. He was in all of the ordinances blameless. So he was keeping, you know, what the Bible said that he should do. He was following all of those things. Uh, It says that he was a priest. I mean, in other words, he's full time. Uh, He's full time. It would be like being a pastor today. Um, And, you know, some people think, well, that's uh, that's really spiritual. We know that, you know, God's called us all to a spiritual work. But, you know, if you looked at Zacharias, you could think, this is a pretty good guy. He was following through with the customs. But what I want you to see is that when the angel shows up to speak to Zacharias, uh, Zacharias did not respond in faith. Zacharias responded in fear, and he goes on to say, how can this be? Uh, How can this be? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And what I want you to see is that Zacharias uh, had a a lot of religious form. Uh, He was a priest. He was in the temple. He had been praying. There was a lot of prayer going on. It says that he was doing it according to the custom. He's going through all of the customs. He had all of the formality but he did not have faith. In fact, the angel says, you did not believe my words. I've appeared to you to bring these good tidings, the angel says. That word good tidings means good news. He said, I've brought you good news, or we could even say it this way, I've come to speak the gospel to you, but you did not believe it. You had all of the formality, but you did not have the faith. And you know, that can be true of all of us. It's true of probably many people or maybe even more people at this time of year than at other times of year. You know, at Christmas time, it's amazing how much people can get into all of the formality of Christmas. Uh, You know, people that may never go to church, go to church at Christmas time. People that never pray, uh, pray at Christmas time. People that never talk about Jesus may want to talk about Jesus at Christmas time. And there's nothing wrong with you know, the form of those things. But 
what God is actually looking for is not form or formality, religious formality. The Bible says this, that when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? And Zacharias had religious formality, but he did not have faith. And that's a challenge to all of us at this Christmas time. Are we going through the form? Are we just going through the custom of Christmas? Or are we truly in faith? Do we truly believe the gospel, the good tidings of great joy that Christmas is all about? And ultimately what reveals that, and this is what I want you to see, what reveals that is what we say. It it is revealed through what we say. And so here's what uh, Zacharias said when the angel appeared to him. The angel appeared, said, you're going to have a son. God's heard your prayer. But Zacharias responded not with faith, not saying amen. Zacharias responded by saying, how shall I know this? (laughs) How shall I know this? Now, I don't know about you, but I would think, I would hope that for me, if an angel appeared to me and spoke the word of God to me, I hope that would be all that would take for me to know it. I hope for us that it takes less than an angel. I hope that we believe it by faith, even without an angel coming. But here, Zacharias has an angel coming. He's going, how shall I know it? How how will I believe it? How will I know? I need a confirmation. And he says, "Uh, I'm an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. What I want you to notice is that he was speaking doubt. He was speaking doubt. And in fact, the angel says, because you did not believe this, in verse 20, he says, behold, you will be mute and will not be able to speak until these things take place. I want you to notice that. What happened to Zacharias? Zacharias, God had to shut him up. (laughs) God had to literally say, Zacharias, Because you're not in faith, you just have all of the formality. Because you're not in faith, because you're speaking things that are contrary to what I am saying, I'm going to shut you up. In other words, God was saying, Zacharias, I'm doing a work here. And even if you don't believe it, I'm going to do it. And because I'm going to do it, I'm going to even shut you up (laughs) so that you will not stop or hinder what I am doing. And here's what I want you to see is really an aspect of faith, and that is the aspect of a faith-filled confession. One aspect of our faith is that faith manifests in what we say. And I'm not talking about hocus-pocus. I'm not talking about some weird uh, thing that our words manipulate God. What I'm saying and what I'm wanting us to see, I believe God is wanting us to see, is that our words have power. Our words have power. Think about this with me for just a moment. Uh, Really, throughout all of Scripture, we see that words have power. God created everything with words. God works with words. God's work in our lives happens through words. Uh, through the, the, the Word of God, the Bible coming into our ears and through our eyes, into our minds, into our hearts, it brings transformation. And 
everything that God does happens through words. And, and I want to, in fact, uh, show you a, um, just a number of scriptures this morning that I believe will help to convince us of the importance of words. And not just God's words, but our words. That, that we would understand that our words have the power to either align with what God says or to hinder, potentially hinder what God says. And what Zacharias had to understand is uh, that his words had power. And so God said, you're going to be mute. The angel said, you're going to be mute because you have not believed what, what God has said. And so let's look at a few verses today. And I know this may feel like a little Bible study, but I'm wanting to just show you the importance of faith and confession. Faith in God's word will always produce a response in our confession, in what we say. In other words, when we have faith, it will be manifest in our words. Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. God is saying, if you want death or if you want life, it will be manifest in what you say. Now, most of us would probably say we are pro-life. Practically speaking, we're pro-life. We believe that, um, you know, that, that life begins at conception and physical life begins at, con- at conception. And actually, this is a great passage of Scripture just to prove this because John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And so we, as Bible-believing people, we believe that every life is made in the image of God and that, that life begins at conception. So we would say we're pro-life, but the question I want to ask you is, is your tongue pro-life? Is your tongue pro-life? Uh, it's, it's a, you may say you're pro-life, but is your tongue pro-life? Are you speaking life over your circumstances? Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have the power to bring life into your circumstances, to bring life into God's plan for you through your tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Jesus confirms this same thing in the book of Mark and in, really throughout the Gospels. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, in verse 34. He's correcting the, the Pharisees who had the right religious formality. Similar to Zacharias, they had all the right religious externals. But Jesus corrects them and says, You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? He's saying you're evil. In your heart, you're evil. And so you can't speak good things, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It goes on to say this, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, most of us would say we're not saved through our words, we're saved through faith in our hearts, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, not through our works And Jesus would affirm that, but what he is revealing is the connection between your heart and your mouth. And he's saying, if your heart has been justified, it will will show up through your mouth. There is a direct connection between your heart and your mouth, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we say we are people of faith, if we say we're Christians, our, our words will line up 
with God's word. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can say you're a Christian, uh, but the real test is what do we speak? Are we speaking in line with God's word? That's why Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24, a passage of scripture you may be familiar with. When he curses the fig tree and the disciples ask him about it and he teaches them about faith, he says this, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Here's what I want you to see is that for Jesus, praying and saying are one and the same. Praying and saying are the same. In other words, he's saying you can pray all you want, but if what you're saying is contradictory to what you're praying, what you're saying will undermine your prayers. So you can spend five minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day praying, God, would you provide for me? But if you go out of your prayer closet and you go around saying, all the things that you don't have, Jesus says you'll have whatever you say. What Jesus is showing us is the power of our words because our words reveal our faith. Now, some, some people may hear this and think, whoa, Justin, you're overemphasizing. You're talking too much. This is like word of faith. This is kind of on the edge of, you know, hocus pocus, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Well, Look at what the Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 10. This is a passage that we often use when we lead people to salvation. And Paul is talking about how we get saved. He says this, The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you, listen, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What Paul is saying is that we are saved by faith. That faith is a work of the Holy Spirit that is produced in our hearts. But how do you know if you have faith? That faith will manifest in a confession of faith or a profession of faith. Now, oftentimes when we lead people to salvation, we recognize this. We want to lead them into a profession of faith, perhaps a prayer of salvation. And we would say it's not the prayer that saves them. It's the faith. But faith will always manifest in a confession or a profession of faith. The same thing is true, not just in our justification. The same thing is true in everything we receive from God. Everything we receive from God we receive it by faith, and that faith will manifest in a confession. And here's what I really want us to see, or I believe Zacharias wants us to see, as we're talking about the characters of Christmas, and if we could ask Zacharias, Zacharias, tell us the Christmas story from your perspective. I think Zacharias may say this. He may say, if you can't say Faith. If you can't speak in faith, don't say anything at all. 
<laughs> when you were a kid, did your mom say to you, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all? I, I know sometimes that can be a challenge, but what Zacharias would tell us is that you can actually undermine God's plan and purpose for your life through speaking something that is contrary to what you say you believe about God. So you may say you believe God is good. You may say you believe God is for you. You may say you believe that God is Jehovah Jireh, but if you go around always speaking things that are of lack and of fear and of doubt and are of worry and are of anxiety, what you are demonstrating is that you don't actually believe what you say you believe. And what God does for Zacharias is God says, I, I'm so committed to this purpose that Zacharias, you're going to have to just be quiet. Because if you can't speak faith, don't speak at all. I, I, I want us to understand this, that we can actually abort the purposes of God. We can hinder the purposes of God through a negative confession. And what God wants us to understand is the power of a faith-filled confession. Again, I'm not talking about just, you know, um, I'm not talking about hocus pocus. I'm not talking about just, you know, I'm not talking about manipulating God through our words. What I'm talking about is aligning God's, your mouth with God's word. That what God says becomes what you say. And when, it, when what God says becomes what you say, Jesus says you will have whatever you say. Again, most of us would agree. We say, we, we recognize that in our salvation. I am saved. I am saved. But do you believe it in every area of your life? I believe God wants us to live with a faith-filled confession that what comes out of our mouth is in line with what God says about us in every area, that we would have a spiritual confession that would say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We'd have an emotional and a mental confession of faith that says, I have the mind of Christ. We would have a, a physical confession over our bodies that, that I am healed through the blood of Jesus, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and will give life to my mortal body, that we'd have a family confession of faith that is confessing God's plan and purpose over our kids, over our marriage, over every relationship that we have, rather than just confessing the problems, that we'd begin to confess the potential, that we'd begin to confess God's purpose. Why? Because we believe God's purpose. We believe the gospel in our heart, that we would have a, a financial confession of faith, that we're confessing my God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory. We'd have a, a, a missional confession. Rather than complaining about our neighbors and how bad our coworkers are, we'd begin to confess, God, thank you. That's a testimony in the making. That's a salvation in the making. That's a transformation in the making. I'm not just looking at the problems. I'm not just looking at, man, they're a pain in the neck. Man, they're a problem to me. I'm looking at, wow, God, there's a, there's a potential here. God, thank you. There, this is going to be an incredible testimony when you save that person. Why? Because we believe that God's not willing that any should perish, that all would come to repentance. What I want you to understand, and I believe Zacharias would want us to understand, 
is that when we align our mouths and our words with the word of God, we release God's power into our lives. And maybe today, each of us needs to just take an inventory of our words. Uh, Are we speaking life? Are we speaking hope? Are we speaking joy? Are we speaking out of our mouths the practical application of what the gospel gives to us through Jesus Christ? And again, as Zacharias would say, if you can't speak faith, don't speak at all. It's the power of a faith-filled confession. So I want to give you today three things I believe that we can do to have a faith-filled confession. Number one is this, take time to meditate on God's Word. Again, I'm not talking about just positive affirmations. Uh, You can have positive affirmations all you want. But if it's not based on the word of God, there's no power in it. Um, It it was for Zacharias, it was the word of God that came through the angel, Gabriel. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring these glad tidings or this good news or this gospel to you. In other words, I'm, I'm bringing to you the word of God. And it's the Word of God that has the power to transform your life. That's why it's so important that we spend time in the Bible, that we're filling our hearts, filling our minds with the Word of God, the Bible. Now, here's the thing. It doesn't get into your heart if it doesn't go through your eyes and through your ears. In order to get into your heart, it's got to go through your eyes and through your ears. The question is, are you you spending time getting it in your ears and in your eyes so it can get into your heart. And and meditation specifically is one of the most powerful things to release the power of God's Word into your life. You know, we all meditate on different things. You're, You're probably meditating right now. You're just thinking about things. And oftentimes we allow a situation, you know, to happen or a problem or a difficulty, and we just replay it over and over and over. You know, we replay that comment that he said, and suddenly that comment takes on a life of its own, and we begin to think, well, why did he say that? I guess he doesn't like me. I guess he's against me. And we begin to uh, produce a false reality in our minds that actually then will begin to manifest in our lives through our behavior. We begin to live according to that reality. That's the negative aspect of meditation. The positive aspect of biblical meditation is that we're taking the Word of God. We're mulling it over, thinking about it. I mean, what if Zacharias had taken this word that the angel said and And he just began to meditate on it. What if he just began to say, I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a baby. I believe I'm going to have a baby. The angel said, I'm going to have a baby. And I don't even know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. And he just began to meditate on it. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. God, thank you. I'm going to have a baby. And just as the negative words can produce a reality on the inside, The positive words, the good news, can can create a reality on the inside. That's what faith is. It's an inward reality of what God has said that then manifests in an external manifestation. And so it's important that we take time to meditate on God's Word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law 
shall not depart from your mouth, but in it you shall meditate day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. The Word of God does no good if it's just between the leather binding. You've got to get the Word of God into your heart. You've got to take time daily to meditate on the Word of God, to fill you with a positive expectation of what God has promised for you. If you can believe that God can forgive you of your sin, can't you believe that God can provide for you? Can't you believe that God can direct you in the decision that you're making? Can't you believe that God has your future under control? If you believe that He can raise your body from the dead, that's the gospel. Can't you believe that God is working in the situation that you're in today? So we've got to get the Word of God into our hearts. Take time to meditate on it. The second thing I want you to see is that we've got to refuse to allow negative language to persist. Refuse to allow negative language, language that's contrary to God's Word, to persist. How do you do that? Well, let me say it this way. Not everything that comes to your mind has to come out of your mouth. The Bible says that uh, there are uh, that we're attacked from the enemy like flaming darts that come to our mind, that we're attacked, and we've got to take those thoughts captive. And so you're often attacked in your mind, and you have the choice whether you're going to let those thoughts come out of your mouth and give life to them, give power to them in your life, or whether you're going to take those thoughts captive. And so... I want to encourage you, and I'm encouraging myself in this, to uh, not let every negative thing that comes into your mind come out of your mouth. Be careful about what you say. Your words have power. Again, I'm not, I, I'm not um, talking hocus pocus or manipulating God. I'm just simply saying that God had to shut up the negativity of Zacharias's doubt so that he didn't mess up his plan and purpose. And sometimes we have to learn, I know in our house, shut up is a bad word, but I'm going to say it today. Sometimes we have to just learn to shut up the negativity so we don't mess up God's plan and purpose. Not everything that comes to your mouth, mind has to come out of your mouth. Uh, ask somebody, hold you accountable. Hold me accountable. Most of us wouldn't, you know, go around speaking cuss words, but do you speak death? Do you speak fear? Do you speak depression? Do you speak doubt? Do you speak lack? Do you speak guilt and shame? Or do you speak God's word? Don't let the negative language persist in your life. And then the third thing I want you to see is you've meditated on the word of God and you've refused to allow the negative language to persist. Begin to speak God's word over your circumstances. Speak God's word over your circumstances. Um, God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. And again, some of you may think, wow, that's kind of extreme. Let me tell you this. The gospel of Jesus Christ has, is only preached through the mouth of people. And when the gospel of Jesus becomes proclaimed through the mouth of a person, it becomes the power of God unto salvation. That's what the Bible tells us. The same is true in your life. When you begin to speak the word of God in faith, 
I want you to know I'm speaking over the open house. My God shall supply all of our need according to his riches and glory. I'm already speaking. This shall be a house of salvation. This will be a house of healing. This will be a house of hope and deliverance. Why? Because I believe the gospel. I'm speaking it out. We're already filling that building with prayer. We're writing prayers on the walls. As we begin construction, we're going to put prayers on paper and put it into the the foundation of that building. Not because the paper has any power, but the faith has power to produce God's purpose in our lives. And I want you to understand that God has good plans for you. And I, I want to encourage you today, don't let negative, fearful confession rob you of God's purpose in your life. Let's be people of faith. Let's speak faith over our circumstances. And let's be like, uh, like those of the Christmas story, even like Mary. We're going to look at her next week. That Her response was, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me in my health. Be it unto me in my family. Be it unto me in our church. Everything that God has said, let it be unto me according to his word. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person that's watching this today. Lord, I thank you for the gift of faith that's being released into our hearts. God, I pray where we've allowed fear to rule, where we've allowed lack to rule, where we've allowed worry and anxiety to rule in our lives. Lord, today we declare we will believe your word. Let God be true and every man a liar. And Father, we declare we will be people of faith. Father, thank you for the good news of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross to release life and power and your purpose in its fullness in our lives. And so, Lord, we believe it today. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Can't wait to see you next Sunday and on December 13th for our Vision Builders celebration. We'll see you then.